All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 113 of the DFO Rundown, the trade pre-trade deadline edition. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And uh, here we are. It's uh, it's Friday. Trade deadline is coming up on uh, Monday, and uh, Frank, I think the the conversations are going to intensify. Uh, had a few GMs tell me they thought prices were too high, and they're expecting them maybe to come down. At least that's their hope. Come down Sunday, Monday. Is that what you? Th- that's kind of what happens most years. Yeah, I think this year in particular, people have felt like there's been some sticker shock, and you look at some of the trades that have been made already. Ben Sherratt, you know, everyone was blown away by that price. And clearly Florida believes he's a perfect fit or else they're not paying it. So it only takes one. I think that's a great reminder. One team to step up and pay it while everyone else is trying to hold out for less. And that's the danger. That's the risk you play, the risk you face if, you, if you're playing that game. Yeah, like I understand why the why the sellers are are asking high price now. Of course you would. You want to get the most is what you can. And yeah. I think any buyer who's in the was in the opposite chair, most of them who have been in both chairs understand that this is just a dance. And then it comes down to can you make the right call at the last minute? Yeah. What does the price look like at twelve oh one or one o'clock on Monday? That's when things start to get real, and that's when the game of chicken comes in because you know, teams at that point begin to bluff a little too. Hey, I've got this. I think I can get this from this team. I'm holding out for this. 
And at 2.30, 2.45, that's when, you know, things start to change. All of a sudden, teams begin to show their hand because they know that they can't afford to hang on to that player for any longer than they have. Yeah, it's a reminder for everyone. The trade deadline is 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, noon Pacific, 1 p.m. Mountain. But uh, in the, as the last few years have always shown, many trades can come in up until later, as long as you get it in uh, before that time. So a lot of them yeah, will show join up us. Join us on Monday as well, a three and a half hour show on dailyfaceoff.com, streaming also on Twitter and YouTube. If you watch our daily show Monday to Friday, we're going to have jam-packed analysis, breaking news, everything with our full team of uh, Daily Faceoff crew. Um, So yeah, please join us on Monday. We'll have lots to share. Well, let's get into it, Frank, and that'll be a great show. Look forward to it. Um, Today, we're going to go basically uh, division by division. And uh, and see, you know, what, what we think is going to happen, uh, what we're hearing on team. So uh, let's start in the Metro and uh, we'll go from the bottom to the top to start in that division. The New Jersey Devils. Um, you got uh, quite a few Devils on your list, Frank. You just put out your top 50 list uh, this morning. Um, what, what do you make of New Jersey Devils? What do you think happens? I think they're open for anything. I think they're willing to consider a lot of different things. Um you know, the highest profile guy that teams have been interested in has been Damon Severson. Um, I think stylistically, when you have a guy like Dougie Hamilton, it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to try and, you know, fill out your group with another similar type player, even though he doesn't do it as well as Dougie Hamilton and Dougie Hamilton chews up a lot of space on your cap. Uh, Pavel Zaka has been interesting. Um, he's a center. They want him or are trying to play him on the wing on a team that has some pretty gifted centers. I haven't heard anything about PK Subban, uh, pending unrestricted free agent as of 10 days ago, they hadn't received any calls on Subban. Um, and I think there's an outside chance, you know, for some other players on their list that have a little bit of term Andreas Janssen is one, um, I saw you. Jonas, Jonas Siegenthaler is another one that has gotten some interest as well. 1.125 for next season. And the other thing, uh, Oh, Mackenzie Blackwood is on the list. Uh, they've, I guess, sort of soured on him with his play and his injuries. They're not certain that he can be their guy moving forward. That's why he's on the board. And to that end, they're looking for a goalie. Uh, both maybe to finish off this season, even though 21 year old Nico Dawes has stepped in and, and played quite admirably. I don't think they want to shoulder him with that much burden to end the season. Blackwood's trending closer to being healthy after his heel injury. And they're looking for someone that could be their goaltender of the future as well. So lots of different irons in the fire for Tom Fitzgerald. I look at the uh, devils and, Subban's contract is just to me, it's almost untradeable at that high of a cap. And even if you eat half, it's still 4.5. So I don't see that happening. But I, I think uh, of, of those guys, every team's always looking for right defensemen. The problem is Severson doesn't really fit the bill, Frank, as far as because he's not he's not like that big, heavy, just a good defender type of guy. And so but I think Pavel Zaka, I'm going to say this. I think if the Devils make a move, I think Pavel Zaka is the guy who's going. OK. Now we uh, we move up the ranks in the uh, the metro to the Philadelphia Flyers. This this one seems pretty easy, Frank. I think it's uh, Captain Obvious. will say Claude Giroux. Um, I know your latest. It's, it's still nothing confirmed to Florida, but a lot of the arrows seem to point to Florida. So what would be the reason why he doesn't end up in Florida? Is there another team you think that can swoop in here? Well, yeah, I think it's a two horse race with the Colorado Avalanche. I, I still. 
ultimately think he's going to Florida. I think at the end of the day, that's his preferred or slightly preferred destination. There's been lots of smoke there. Both organizations on late Thursday night had poured cold water on anything being in place. He didn't accompany the Flyers to Ottawa, uh, is not playing this weekend, won't play on Sunday at home against the Islanders either. A nice little symmetry or numerology to close out his career. Exactly 1,000 games, exactly 90 points. He's the premier forward available. Since 2010, only three players in the NHL have more points than Claude Giroux, and it's a pretty elite company to be in. It's Patrick Kane, Sidney Crosby, and Alex Ovechkin. That's it. That's the list. Claude Giroux is fourth. And why hasn't or why it might not get done with Florida is I think the Flyers have been really underwhelmed with the package. And I think what they're trying to do is hurry up a market where Colorado perhaps ups the ante and the Avs have something that the Panthers don't. And that's a first round pick in the next two years. The Avs have one in 2023. The Panthers have traded their 22 and 23 first round picks for Sam Reinhart and Ben Sherratt. And I think the Flyers have been underwhelmed by what the Panthers have put on the table. And the problem for the Flyers is it's hard to really generate any more leverage because if indeed Claude Giroux has picked the Florida Panthers as his top or only destination, which I don't believe to be the case in terms of only, I think he'd be willing to go to Colorado. That puts the Flyers in a tough spot. And I think that's, you know, really the reason why Florida either isn't able to or hasn't offered up more. The names that have been talked about, Owen Tippett, who sat out Thursday's game uh, in the AHL to protect the asset. Mackie Samuskevich, their 2021 first round pick or 2022, he's a forward at Michigan. So are those pieces alone enough to get it done? I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, I'm, I'm, I look at Florida and I'm like, geez, I, like Claude Giroux obviously would help, but how much would he help? That that's my ultimate question. They got a pretty deep team, right? So they're good in face-offs, right? So I, I'd be kind of curious on where he would fit in. But ultimately, I think it's it's going to end up there, Frank. Because I think if you're Philly, you you've kind of gone this far. Like to, to not trade Claude Giroux wouldn't really help your organization unless you're going to resign him, right? That that to me is going to be the interesting one because you talked about it earlier. You play chicken and then you decide what's going to happen. The other player who I do think will move in Philly is Justin Braun. He's a right shot defenseman. He fits all the markers. You know, his cap hit is easy to, to obtain for any team. Um, I think there's a few teams out West. I know Edmonton has, has, has had some interest in it, but you know, really struggled this season. Yeah, and if they get a right defenseman, then they got to take one of the right defensemen out of the lineup unless they trade, you know, one of the right defensemen, which would probably be t they're not trading Cody Cece and they're not trading Evan Bouchard. So, you know, yeah, ideally they'd get a left shot guy, right? Yes, 100% a left shot guy. So. so I think with Braun, what I believe is ultimately going to be the price is a third round pick that has conditions on it. You know, if you advance a certain number of rounds, it becomes a second, something like that. That's the type of neighborhood we're talking about with Braun. Yeah, and might even be tied in the player that you, uh, you know, he's got to play so many games. Usually that's kind of tied into it as well. If he plays half the games in the playoffs for your team. The New York Islanders, Frank, um, you know, Cal Clutterbuck's the obvious name. He's a UFA. Um, I, I was told that, uh, you know, they're, they're, he's not interested, at least right now, 
Now that can obviously change in 72 hours, but neither of the goaltenders were, were somebody he wanted to move and he didn't want to move any of his top four defensemen and Pelic and Pulak and, and Dobson. Um, that, that's what, you know, he's been telling the opposition we'll see. So if that's the case, like I just, I don't see a lot of players on New York that are that, are that attractive because they got a lot of guys with term. Yeah. I could see the Islanders doing next to nothing. Yeah. I don't see a big shakeup coming. Teams I've talked to say Semyon Varlamov is not available. Lots of guys on term. I think they're going to try and run it back. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's, they got they got to get some. They got to be able to move the puck up better. That, that mm-hmm. that's that's limited their team. I don't think there's any question about that. And and obviously they got some veteran guys who just haven't played well. So yeah, maybe hey, lose a veteran. Maybe he just stands pat, and we'll see. Like I'm sure he'd like to tr- to trade Cal Clutterbuck, right? But Clutterbuck's a three. Like even if they're eating half, that's still a pretty big cap hit for a bottom. You know, probably a fourth line player at this time. But I could see Cal Clutterbuck still being moved, Frank, because teams like that style of player. In mm-hmm. the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, Columbus Blue Jackets have some real interesting names. What, what are you hearing on, on? I know Max Domi's on your list. Um, he, he hasn't. He's actually been quite productive. If you look at his points per minute this season, he mm-hmm. hasn't played a ton, but he's actually been fairly productive. He's got a little snarl in his game. He, he seems like the obvious guy to go. Is there any team that you see as a fit for Domi? Because I have one. That's the only thing I haven't been able to come up with is who is in the mix for Max Domi. I think the Blue Jackets are aggressively trying to move him. I'd be surprised if he doesn't move before 3 p.m. on Monday. Um, I think he's the perfect playoff pickup, especially maybe for the price. I mean, you take a look at how he's produced in 13 minutes this season. It's right up there with his 72 point season from a number of years back when you, you know, correlate it all out. I think the Blue Jackets have been underwhelmed with his play, and it's been disappointing because they gave up a lot to get him and Josh Anderson. But that's where they stand. Uh, Max Domi is not coming back to Columbus. He's been pretty motivated, it looks like, in the last four games, four points in four games to maybe get out. But he's not the only interesting name in Columbus. Jack Roslovic's name has been out there for a bit. He hasn't necessarily been a fit. Teams really like the potential from Jack Roslovic, but they feel like he goes two weeks without seeing him, that you know he fails to show up. Um, I think one sneaky name that's a possibility that didn't make my board is Vladislav Gavrikov. Okay. I think the Blue Jackets have been watching the market very closely and see the prices that are being paid for Ben Sherratt and say, well, if that's what they can get for Ben Sherratt as a pending UFA, what can we get for a much younger and better Gavrikov who has one more year left on his deal at 2.8 million? I don't think they're trying to trade him, but if someone came and knocked their socks off, I think they'd do it. Uh, they haven't been able to get anything for Jonas Corposalo. I think they're looking yeah. at a mid to late round pick at this point. Um, he's not coming back. They're not re-signing him. They might as well recoup something. And then the other wild card is Alexander Texier. He's been injured. And on top of that has been dealing with some family stuff and has been placed on a leave of absence. I think it's really unlikely that he goes, but I know that they were getting some calls on him not too long ago. 
Yeah. Uh, there, uh, I'll save it for the other team who I think is going to acquire Max Domi uh, later on in the division. So uh, the Washington Capitals, Frank, their GM came out and said, you know what? I'm not sure that, uh, you know, we should do anything with this group. Now that might, you know, that could be GM talk. Uh, he, he might be legit or not, but uh, they're starting to get healthy again. And like Marc-Andre Fleury to Washington still, Frank, for months, you and I have talked about this. It still seems to make the most sense if they want to do it right. Um, I guess it would depend on the cost. Depends on does Flurry at the end of the day. Um, you know, I've been told. Well, Ken Holland said it yesterday. He still hasn't. Uh, you know, Flurry said not to Edmonton. Not interested in going there. So if he wants to get traded, you look. I don't see Vegas being an option. So that leaves Toronto, and that leaves Washington. And then Flurry, you know, would pick maybe which one he thinks is a better fit. I think it might be Washington. To be honest, I don't see it. Um... And it's all going to come down to price on Flurry, and, and we can talk more about Flurry when we get to Chicago. But I think Washington has tried to improve their team in other ways. They were in deep on Cali Yarncroke. I know Peter Laviolette, their coach, was a big fan when he had him in Nashville. Um, that's really been their one key area on their team, aside from goaltending. They have the defensive depth this year. They feel like their third line has left them short, has failed them a bit. And, and yarn croak would have been absolutely perfect for that. In addition to his versatility, I'm not sold that they go out and get a goalie. I think they're going to try, but I don't, I would think that Washington on the list of possibilities is probably either at the bottom or is the bottom for Flurry. Okay. Then uh, you move up. Now you get into the, uh, you know, the top three teams in that division. Uh, the New York Rangers, they've already made a move. You know, they, they add Vetrano. Uh, they still have a lot of cap space. I think the second most of any of the, of the playoff contending teams behind Nashville. When you talk about a goaltender, Frank, um, Georgiev, he would seem to me the most likely guy to go. I'm just curious on, because his numbers suggest to me he plays better when he plays more frequent and behind Shesterkin, he's just not playing much. And when he was playing more frequently, his numbers were better. His numbers don't look great. Now opposing teams are probably going to say, yeah, yeah, that's great. But let's look at what his numbers are right now. I'm fascinated to think what the Rangers could get for him in a deal. And like the, the name I still, I'm, I'm, I don't rule out the Edmonton orders for Georgia because he's not just, he fits more what Ken Holland's outwardly stated that if he's going to make a trade, he would like to make one for somebody with term, you know, other than like a depth defenseman. And I know it might be a reach, but I still think that's the guy. If, if I think a team that could use him, when I look at their big picture, Georgiev's the guy. I don't, I could be wrong. I don't think the Oilers are that high on Georgiev. Um, I think there's a lot of things to unpack with Georgiev. I, I think teams have been really concerned about his body language, um, about his commitment, I guess. They, they feel like he's been or outwardly been selfish. I think there's been talk about what he's like in the Rangers dressing room that has hurt his trade stock. Um, the Rangers are actively trying to move him. What can they get for him? It's yeah. a, it's probably a late round pick at this point. Like I'm thinking fourth. If Alex Nedeljkovic went for a third, Georgiev hasn't been as good and there's baggage and he's not coming back. So the Rangers don't have a lot of leverage. Um, Vegas? 
Vegas is a really strong possibility, I think. Yeah. They need a goalie because well, Bad. you reported Robin Robin Lehner. Like he's he's very unlikely. Which Leonard uh also denied again. I'm not yeah. sure if you saw the tweets, but Leonard says that my report is inaccurate and that's fine. I, I stand by. I know exactly, you know, where, who I'm talking to and, and what the injury is. He says he'll be back soon. Um, Pete DeBoer said no one that's injured for the golden Knights is not in the quote near future. That was at his availability on Thursday. Anyway, we'll park that for the Vegas talk. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, by the way, uh, New York Rangers, oddly enough, wanted to mention they are one of the teams that's interested in Phil Kessel. Makes sense. Really? I thought that was an odd fit, but maybe it's just because they need help on the right side. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing, Frank, that it makes sense for, like with some of these guys, when you look at them, the cap space issue. Now I know that the, you know, you can kind of go three-way deals and such, but the thing about Phil Kessel is historically he is, he's very good in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the New York Rangers still are, are, are fairly overall inexperienced team come playoff time with their group of players. And, you know, Phil Kessel, it's, it's funny. There's some people that, that tried, I, I think he's been, he's been, he's been given a real bad rap at times. Phil can be very laid back. And I don't think that's a negative thing, but man, lots of guys who play with him, lots of them really enjoyed playing with him. So I think he could easily fit in your room, which is one of the things that you've talked to a lot of people about over the years is when you get someone, can you, do you think how quickly can they fit in to your locker room? And you know the the only thing about Phil is now he has a young baby. You know I, I would assume maybe his uh, his wife girlfriend they would they would move with him uh, right when you got a youngster. Anybody out there knows that man. Every week your your young child can change so much. You don't want to be apart from them. So but uh, the Rangers, it's funny that's who I had on my uh, Arizona list because they make the most sense to me. They need they need a score on the right side and and Phil Kessel. I know he doesn't have the biggest numbers right now, Frank, but they got some. He's got more skill to play with in New York. Yeah, I think he, he could flourish there. Yeah, he's just struggled to score. He's got six goals this year on pace to be under 10. It's his worst productivity season. You mentioned the playoff success. I think that's why teams are interested. I also think it's not going to cost a lot to try and find out. So, you know, maybe the Rangers have been mostly looking at guys with term because that's what makes sense. They've got tons of cap space to play with. I just don't see them being involved huge on the rental market because it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense for them given where they're at. Pittsburgh Penguins. I what what do you make of the Pens? I I think they're going to be quiet. I think they're they would have loved to have moved out Kasperi Kapanen to try and bolster their forward group. They'd like to add an additional shooter, scorer, winger. Um I just I don't see them being all that active. <sighs> Now, here's the name, Frank, because the one th- I think they need somebody to play with of Jenny Malkin, right? We just talked about Phil Kessel. Malkin and Kessel were a dynamic duo for the Penguins, a big reason why they won two cups. That's what I think they need. I'm like, so if they're going to bring someone in, I think they need someone who they feel can play with with Jenny Malkin. Hard to find, but that's what I think they need. Like they got a, they don't have any glaring weaknesses on that team. Tristan Jari has been unreal for them in goal. I think they need someone to play with Malkin. I think they might sniff around on the backup goalie market. I don't think they're wowed with Casey to Smith. If Jari gets to the playoffs again and can't find himself or suddenly loses his game, which is what happened last year. But I just don't see Pittsburgh being that active at all. 
The Carolina Hurricanes, Frank. I, I know you, you have them. You don't think they're uh, they're going to do much, and, and I could understand that. I think they need a different element in their forward group. I think they have a lot of forwards that are very the same. They're all good, but they're all similar type guys. I, You know, Barkley Goudreau's name, it's an easy one to say because it worked, but I think they need us that style of player for them. And um, a guy who, who maybe fits that bill is Nick Paul. Right. If I'm Ottawa, though, I've said this on record. If I'm Ottawa, I would try to to retain Nick Paul because then you're just going to spend years trying to find someone like him. But he took another swing on Thursday. Yeah, like that's that. I would try to re-sign him if I'm Ottawa, if I could. But that I don't know if Carolina will do anything, Frank, but I think they should. That's all I'll say. I think they've tried. I think they've been in conversations. I think they've checked in to make sure that the prices are what everyone thinks that they are. But I. I think they really like their team. I think they look at their cap picture and know that they'd have to move someone out in order to make the money work. I don't think they're wild about that. They've been rolling along all season. And I just, I don't, I I don't know. I, I don't, I think they're looking, if their priority is anything, I think it's on defense. And I think it's to get a guy that has a little bit of bite, a little bit of edge to his game again, that provides a little bit of, of a different element. They have enough puck movers. Uh, they have enough excellent skaters. Slavin might be the best actual defenseman in the league. And we'll see. I, I think Sherratt was one of those guys that they had checked in on just to make sure that the price was still what a lot of teams felt was outrageous. Yeah. I, a right defense is I think what they would look for. And, and you're right. There's just, there's not a lot of right D men, Frank, uh, with there's only bite. four on our board. Yeah. And so, uh, but, uh, you know, Justin Braun, if, if Justin Braun could fit in Carolina for a right defenseman, who's, but you're right. He hasn't had a great year. That's the problem. And he doesn't, and he doesn't have a ton of bite to his game. So he doesn't no. really fit that bill. Um, let's get, let's go now to the Atlantic division. We'll just work our way from top to bottom. And the, the, the Claude Giroux, Frank. So at the end of it, let's start with Florida. Is it Giroux or bust for the Panthers? Or do they have a, a, a second plan if they somehow don't land Giroux? They might nibble around the edges. I don't think so. I mean, the number of people that think that this deal is cooked is really kind of amazing. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw a tweet from an account, Nasty Knuckles. That's the Flyers' former equipment manager and another former Flyers player, Riley Cote. Like they said, Claude Giroux heading to the Panthers. They would have intimate, detailed connections. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, the big question is what's the return? The Panthers don't have a, a first round pick until 2024. That's really what sets them apart from Colorado. Mackie Samuskevich, their first round pick last year. Fine. Uh, good player at Michigan. I think everyone universally thinks he's a good player. Uh, would you be enthused by Owen Tippett? Yeah, he hasn't really, he hasn't 94 NHL games. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't, had it, he hasn't done anything yet at the NHL level, but you know, how you mentioned, uh, um, they don't have a pick now. If I was a team acquiring him, I'd rather take the first round pick from 2021 because that's two years ahead, right? On average of where, where this pick would be in the development for your team. So it kind of speeds things up. I actually would think that might have more value 
to me now than a 2022 pick. And and while 2023 is a little different, a lot of a lot of scouts. I talked to another scout last night who who thinks the 2023 draft in the first round, top to bottom, is going to be significantly better. So I, I could see why you know if Colorado can can dangle the 2023, then maybe a team's patient. But if you're a GM, Frank, and you're the team acquiring them, we all know that you're probably on thinner ice. Right. And unless you've got an ownership group that's going to be ultra patient. Mm-hmm. Right. Because usually it's the bad teams right now that are acquiring these first round picks. Yeah. And I, I don't know that Samuskevich is all that far off from really yeah. being a contributor. What do you think about the price that they paid for Sharat? We've talked a lot about it being high. Do you like the stylistic fit? Oh, I, I've been saying it all year long. I thought they, Florida need, I, three months ago, we said that the fence is what they need because what Ben Chirac can allow them to do, Frank, is it could allow them to split up Ekblad and Uyghur and put Uyghur back on his natural side. And now you've got Ben Sherratt and Ben Sherratt played top four minutes last year in Montreal in the postseason. He he's the exact type of defense when you want. And if you pair him with either Ekblad or Uyghur, they're the puck moving guys. Sherratt can move the puck decently well. But Would you break he, up Uyghur and Ekblad, though. That's the question. Maybe I you think, can do it situ- situationally where you keep them together for chunks of the game. And then separate them. I think I think Ben Chirot's that solid of a defender that you could. I don't. I, I think the reason they did it before was they're like this pairing's so good. We'll just keep it. They're our number one pair by far. But now we can we can divvy up our minutes and make two pairs that are that are better combined than what they had now, which was one really dominant pair, and then there was a significant drop. Now they might have two really good um, number ones. Maybe not as great, obviously, as Ekblad and Uyghur together. But I think combined as a top four, it's better uh, with Sherrod. And I won't be surprised to see them at least uh, try it. If you're Andrew Brunette down the stretch here, I think there's going to be some games. You'll see them split those two up just to see how it looks. I just think stylistically for what the price paid was, it wouldn't have been that much more to just get Lindholm instead. I like Sherrod, but I think he got the bump from playing with Shea Weber last year and not the other way around. Okay, And I think Lindholm is a better skater, better defender. Like Lindholm does everything well. There's not yeah. really one area of the game that he doesn't, doesn't, you know, isn't successful in. He doesn't necessarily have the huge offensive punch, but Sherratt has next to none. So there's nothing lost there. And I think the difference is you would have had to probably in addition to, or instead of, um, the player that you sent to uh, to Montreal and Tyus Milanic, who Kent Hughes would have seen play up close a lot because he played in the same league as his son this year, is that's the deal you would have had to include the first and Samuskevich probably. So that's essentially two first. Anaheim's looking for a grade A top prospect yeah. in return for Lindholm in addition to the first plus another pick to probably make the money work. So it's a tall ask for Lindholm, both rentals. I just think stylistically he's a better fit. If you're looking for brawn and tough, like they already have that a bit in Radko Gudis, you, you limit his minutes, 12, 14, 16 minutes a night. And you throw Lindholm out there, your two pairs can skate forever. Yeah. Yeah. Sherrod though can, Sherrod can play a ton. I, I, I wonder though, the reason why they make this trade, I think Bill Zito shown us in the past. I think I won't be surprised if Ben Sherrod resigns in Florida. And so that's what makes it. It's not. That's what he did with Brandon Montour yeah, last year. Right. And Sam Bennett, right. Mm-hmm. Now it wasn't a UFA, but 
I, I could see that happening. So it becomes they need more, to move money. I think an easy guy to move would be like an, a Hornquist in the 100%. summer. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I think this trade is one that's not just going to be a rental. I could be wrong, but um, I had two people text me. They thought that Ben Chirot, uh, the reason they they were willing to pay that much is because they believe they're going to resign him. Makes sense. So. Uh, Tampa Bay, Frank, here's, we've seen Tampa, they, they, they've made big moves and it's really helped them. Um, they, they, they've still got some assets. That's the thing about Tampa, man. I'll give them credit. Like, you know, they've won two cups and, you know, Florida's won none and Florida doesn't have first rounders and Tampa Bay still got some picks. So I don't know if you can ever rule out, um, uh, them, but we haven't heard anything from them, which is maybe par for the course. So tell, I have, I have zero expectations on what Tampa's going to do. I, I don't know if it'll be a major splash, but I'll say this. I think Tampa does something. Yeah, I, I think they'll do something. They have zero dollars. You said zero expectations. That's because Tampa has zero dollars. Like quite literally, <laughs> they've used every portion of their LTIR available, like to the penny. That's how good they are at managing their cap. My guess is if they're going to trade for someone that, well, it's probably on defense. Um, that's been their playbook is sort of the depth guy. I yeah. wonder if Justin Braun is a fit there. Potentially. But they'd have to move something out, right? Well, yeah, Braun's only at one six to sort of have the Flyers eat half and squeeze in eight hundred grand. Like all they have to do is send someone down. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But they don't have anyone that's waiver exempt. And that's one of their big sticking points is they can make room by trading Boris Kachuk or uh, Taylor Radish or someone else. They actually need those guys who are signed for the next two years to be contributing at really cheap cap hits. So that's part of their predicament is they don't want to give up the pieces on their team to make room because they know they need guys in that price range and they're comfortable with them and they're young and they're cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And I got, I, I think Tampa Bay compared to previous deadlines, they're not going to be big mover, but I, I agree with you, Frank. I think depth defenseman is written all over the, uh, the Tampa Bay lightning. Now the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, they're uh, maybe their goaltending woes have been uh, solved internally. They, uh, they, they could be hoping that uh, they also, I think I like Jack Campbell, when he gets back healthy, um, I, you know, I still think they're fairly high in him. So I'm not sure that uh, the goaltending is where they're going to look. I really think Toronto needs a defenseman. I, yeah. I think that's badly. where they're at. Yeah. Like they, that to me, I would argue that that would be a bigger requirement for them than goaltending. Yeah. And I think that's how they're thinking at the moment too. Uh, what they're doing is, I believe the guy they've honed in on is Mark Giordano. And I think to their benefit, my understanding is that Giordano, you know, if all things are equal, his preference is to go home and play for the Maple Leafs. That's where he's from. That's what he'd like to do. Pretty built in chemistry there with TJ Brody. If that's a possibility as well, they've played together for so long. Um, the question is the price. The Leafs aren't going to be trading their first round pick for Mark Giordano. That's what the Kraken want. Um, I would say they're also keeping a close eye on Lindholm and what the price ends up being. I, I still think it's too rich for them with what they'd like to spend for a rental. But ideally, I think they know he's the best defenseman available. So they're keeping tabs on it. 
But what I think they're really hoping for is that come one o'clock on Monday or Sunday night, that a first round pick hasn't materialized for Giordano. And if all things are equal, I think the crack and, and they're only going to get a second from somewhere that they want to try and fulfill Giordano's wishes to go where he wants. Yeah. No, Obviously that's... if there's a better deal out there, he'll take, they'll take that. I think Boston has been in the mix. I think St. Louis has been there. Um, but Giordano is a guy that I, I believe the Leafs have really focused on. Well, I was, I was going to say, Frank, because I know that teams are looking at what Ben Chirac got, and they're going to say, hey, Ben Chirac got this. Our guy, respectively, has got to get something similar. But other people say, well, geez, look at how much Florida gave up. So maybe that's an outlier. And that's the game of cat and mouse that's going to be played here in the next 72 hours. Um, the thing about Lindholm that intrigues me to Toronto, Frank, is if you could acquire Lindholm, then you could move one of your forwards, not now, but in the offseason, to create space to re-sign Lindholm, right? So it could and you be... also don't know what's going to happen with Muzzin. Like yes. if you, if Muzzin has some significant issues and God forbid couldn't play next year, there's your cap space right there. I, I'm never concerned about, and I don't think the Leafs or really any other team should be concerned about the cap space to find, to, to keep that player. You can always move someone. Let's say you get the guy that's the rental and you love him and you, you can't let him walk. You'll find a way you worry about that later. You get the guy and you plug him into your team. If you believe he's the best fit and you go on your run. I, I just think the, the daunting thing for the Leafs is what we've talked about a lot, which is the teams they have to go through to get to where they want to get to. It's looking like Tampa in the first round, which is not going to be easy. And then even if they get through that, it's looking like Florida in the second round. That's a lot to then begin moving yes. your pieces, which is why they don't want to trade their first. And the other guy they really don't want to trade is Matt Nyes. Yeah. So I, I think they got to get a defenseman. And uh, I, I know there was all the talk earlier about uh, goaltending, but uh, I think ultimately Toronto's not going to get a goalie. I think they're going to, they're, they're monitoring it though. They're yeah. like, if, if just the not... price is right, they will yeah. make a, a trade for a goalie. Yeah. Who though? That's the thing. Like, well, I think everyone wants to know what happens with Flurry. Yeah. Well, he's the Does one. Does the price yeah. come down to a second? And if it's a second, well, then that's a different conversation. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, the Boston Bruins, who who have who have sneakily played quite well here, Frank, for a stretch. Like they they got their guys healthy again. They they put Pasternak with Hall. They kept Bergeron with Marshawn, and that's really seemed to spark that group. They need a defenseman, though, in Boston. Left shot defenseman. Lots of talk about Jacob Chikrin. That's been going on forever. Uh, I think the as part of the package back, the Coyotes asked for Jeremy Swayman in net. They're looking for a goalie. I don't know that Chikrin gets moved. I think it's still a little bit of a long shot. You know, I'd say it's not even 50-50 that he gets traded. Um, the one name the Bruins have eyed in the last week is Calvin DeHaan. They're checking in on Lindholm and one of the teams that's really interested. And I think they could make a play to re-sign him as well. Um, any of the left shot guys that are out there, I think they've probably looked at. What about Jake DeBrusque? I don't see it. I, I just, I don't think they can get equal value and they're not going to make their team worse. He's a restricted free agent. There's no real pressure to trade him. 
you could still get something as good or better for him in the summer. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and they're playing really well, right? Like, and Nebraska is being productive on that line too. So that's yeah, the he's thing. Gone like, the last five games again, without a point, but he did have that stretch where you had eight goals in eight games. Yeah. So, well, yeah, if you look at it, right, like I don't expect him to be eight and eight and I don't expect him to be oh and five. You kind of look at, take the points over that 13 game stretch and say, Hey, that's pretty good. Uh, I saw the Detroit Red Wings. Now they, they, that's a tough loss for the Vancouver Canucks last night. And Bruce Boudreaux didn't uh, mince his words, fell like that was their worst first period that they played since he's been the head coach. Uh, they lose. Um, uh, Detroit wins one nothing. Um, uh, you have Tyler Bertuzzi's name at your board, and you know he's got he's got term and everything. Um, you know he can't go into Canada, so maybe that plays a small factor more so in the West than the East because the only Canadian team in the playoffs is going to be Toronto. Is Bertuzzi seem like more of an off season trade ultimately though for you? I don't. I don't think so. There, there's something up there. I don't know exactly what it is or what's the proper way to frame it, but the Red Wings have let everyone know they're open for business. And I think Bertuzzi has let them know that he's open to moving on. I don't think it's a trade request or anything, but I do think that he's, you know, he would be a guy that's okay with, with the trade. Um, I mentioned one of the things earlier this week when we first put him out there is you know, a team lovingly referred to him as incredibly annoying, a lesser skilled version of Brad Marchand. He's had an unreal season. Yes. Really good player that I could see being on the move by Monday. The thing about Detroit is like their head coach has been there a long time and they haven't won. And I just, and I know he signed his extension last summer, uh, Frank, but I just, I think it's hard enough to have a winning co- a coach in your ear when you're winning having the same coach all the time and you're losing. Like I looked at Detroit's record as the season's gone on this year, Frank, they've gotten worse. They're not getting like, you know how you like Buffalo is a team that's getting better. They had a tough start. Now, sure. They're healthier, you know, Montreal, another team that was terrible. They're getting better. Detroit's going the opposite way. Hey, um, I, I wonder if, you know, how much of, you know, the, the discourse in, in Detroit is just, it happens to winning coaches where you, you you get tired of the guy. I got to think that's coming to factor on a losing coach. Maybe I don't, he signed an extension in 2021. So I don't, uh, I don't, I don't foresee anything happening there right now. Um, I think the other guy to keep an eye on is Nick Letty. I wonder oh, about yeah. the Dallas stars. Uh, they held him out on Thursday night uh, to protect the asset. You saw the stars are moving money. They put Andre Sekera on waivers and they're creating cap flexibility. I think Letty with oh. his experience, with the Jim Nil connection in Detroit, with the asset cost, I think Nick Letty would be a good fit in Dallas. There's been lots of talk about Lindholm and rightfully so, Frank. But I think like, look at the Islanders. The Islanders desperately miss Letty and, and Taves hugely. I think that's hurt them a lot. And, uh, you know, I think Nick Letty's a solid player. He's, you know, he's, they've been a conference final the last two years. So they, they coaches like the playoff experience factor, Nick Letty's name. And I, I know, I think you haven't, was it sixth on your most recent he's, one? Yeah, he's nine. Oh, ninth. Okay. So he, I just, all the other talk about D-Man, I think that's the guy that, that could be a really good fit for a team. I, I like him a lot and what he brings. I agree. He's kind of flown under the radar, probably because he plays in Detroit. He just he's got uh plenty of playoff experience. Um he, how many times has he been to the conference final? Four. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I, I, I think he's a guy that is second round pick all day. Oh, yeah. Like if Toronto was looking at D-men, he should be in the radar too, I would think. Um, the Buffalo Sabres, Colin Miller seems like maybe the the obvious name. He, he finally got back in the lineup last night uh, for them. So he'll have a few games. He's a right shot defenseman. There's not a ton of them available. Frank, uh, he, he would seem like the obvious guy who's going to get moved. And, you know, probably not at a big return, mid-round pick. Yeah, they're they're probably a third. They're looking for because they know he's a right shot guy. They think they can get that, and I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, he has been hurt for a bit, as you mentioned. Came back, played seventeen and a half minutes against the Oilers on Thursday. Had an assist. Um, you know, it's not all that long ago that he had a forty plus point season for the Vegas Golden Knights. Was part of their deep playoff run. Um, he's, he's actively, I think, excited about the idea of a trade because he'd like to show himself before getting to the market this summer in a contract year and extremely motivated to come in and play well. And, uh, you know, they got Haig and they got Pesic. Like I got three defensemen who I think are all available if, if you want to get the them and, and the cost, the cost is going to be minimal. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be super expensive and if you're looking for bargain D, the Buffalo Sabres are your team. Yeah, 100%. Victor Olofsson on the board as well. Still think that trade is a bit un, unlikely at this point, but I know they don't or really aren't wild about paying him four or four and a quarter in a in an ARB deal this summer. Uh, we get to the Ottawa Senators and Nick, Nick Paul, Nick Paul. I've, I've stated many times and you, know, you reported they, they made another offer for him. I really think Ottawa needs to keep him. And um, even if you end up having to pay Frank, like, let's say that and I'm just using this for an argument. Let's say the number is three mil that you think, hey, we will pay. You might have That's to pay the three. number. That's what their ask is. They yeah. want three million bucks. Yeah. And so I'm just using that as a round number. But if you have to go up to three, two, five to make it happen, I think that's a player I would do it on. I just I think Nick Paul, when I look at the construction of their forward group and a lot of the young players Nick Paul has finally figured out how to play in the NHL. He's a solid two-way player. You know, you can put him in tougher situations, more defensive zone starts. You know, you don't have to overburden then like your more skilled offensive guys and Norris and Stutzel and you know, Formington and Kachuk and those guys. I really think Ottawa signed him. And, and even as long as you don't have to go like too high, but if three mils the ask and you end up at 2.9 or 3 million, I don't, I think that's a fair contract. I really do. Four years times 3 million would get it done, I think. Yeah, like I, I don't think that's an outrageous contract at all. No, that brings him to age 30 and they don't have any cap issues. That's the thing no. is like there's no reason to not because like you said, they're going to go chase to get the next Nick Paul and they don't really need picks. First off, they've got six in the first three rounds this year upcoming, and they already have enough guys in their system that they already know that all of these guys can't possibly fit on the roster at once. Getting more picks for Nick Paul right now doesn't really help you. I'm just not convinced that they see it that way in terms of paying that price. They haven't to this point, unless they're just playing hardball and are eventually going to buckle. They've been playing the whole like loyalty card, I think, in terms of, well, Nick Paul would want to be here. And it's like, well, he's not going to give up money to do it on a team that still has hurdles to jump to be a playoff team. And, and here's the thing. You have the exact same GM and ownership who paid Chris Tierney 3.5 million. 
Nick Paul, I think right now is a better player than what Turney was. And you were willing to pay him 3.5. You didn't, you traded him for in the Carlson deal. So um, you acquired him, excuse me. You, you, you didn't, you didn't draft and develop him like Paul, like to me, you're, and he's a UFA. So you can take Nick Paul's raise. He's 1.3. You go to three. You're still saving 500 in tourney. Like this seems like such a no brainer to me. I honestly, I don't, I don't, maybe, maybe there's something I'm missing. I don't think so. I just think the Sens mine their, their dollars and cents. Yeah. But they didn't on tyranny. So that's the, like, it seems like an odd one. Anton uh, Forsberg. Well, there's a goalie. Yeah, there's a goalie you could probably uh, move. But if you're Ottawa, Frank, I'll ask again the question. If you have questions about Matt Murray. Well, they do. How could you not? Yeah. So wouldn't you keep Forsberg? Because then you're going to spend the offseason trying to find a goalie. Yeah, but Forsberg turns 30 next year. Um, I I would think there's some. No, it's not. But I think there's some value. Um, I, I think the problem with as well as Forsberg has played a winning record on the 29th place team and a nine sixteen save percentage this year that it, Mike McKenna said this on our daily face-off show on Thursday. He goes, it, it all comes down to name value and recognition and reputation. Unfortunately that, you know, he's thinking that Forsberg may arguably be, you know, one of the better goalies available that just isn't getting the same traction on the trade market. And at that point, to your point, you might as well keep him or they might keep him. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think Michael Delzato as well, another depth defenseman. Yeah. Uh, he, well, he, he's north of a point per game in the AHL and there's, he hasn't played in the NHL since November since us Thanksgiving. And he's still, there's only four guys on the Sens defense core that have more points than he put up in 10 games, six. It's actually cheaper for the Sens to retain half with him having one more year than it is for them to buy him out. They'd save 500,000 in real dollars. Pretty easy depth pickup for a guy that can still actually move pretty well. They gave him a two-year, $4 million deal in the offseason and played him 10 games before burying him in Belleville. Yeah. Odd. 10 goals in 26 AHL games, 27 points in 26 AHL games. They're not even there's not even an ask, like a big ask to get him. Essentially, you just, you know, the Sens need to retain a bit and that's it. Yeah, at this time, there's very few teams though that need offensive defensemen, right? Like, I wonder does he doesn't really fit the defensive defenseman mold that teams like to add? No, but if if all you have to do is take on a hit that you can bury in the minors anyway for right now, is any of the perfect black ace as your seventh left shot D that could just step in if you need him to? There's no like I'm saying there's literally no cost. Yeah, they're okay, not they're not fair. asking you're not trading a pick to get him. No. So it's going to be for futures. Which that's my like, guess. Something yeah. like it's, it's something okay. in that neighborhood. Okay. An interesting one to watch. Um, Arturi Lekkinen, Frank, as we uh, end in the East, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, you, you, he, he was really high on your board. I've seen him drop down a little bit. Uh, have, is that Montreal's rethinking it? Maybe they're looking at signing him or the, uh, the trade offers have slowed down. What, what's with the drop for Lekkinen? No, I, I think there's been a steady flow of interest in Arturi Lekkinen but the price is really high. It's first round pick plus a, a pros, like a top prospect. And it's the same as, as the Brandon Hagel world teams view him as a perfect. I, he was on our list of top five players who could be this year's Barkley Goodrow or Blake Coleman. 
he's relentless defensively. The defensive end is his, uh, you know, the way I view trade deadline as my Super Bowl. that's how he plays in the defensive end. Like every puck matters, every inch matters. And it's come often at the cost of offense, but under Marty St. Louis back to scoring again, he went a six game stretch with six goals and has been one of the hotter players in the league. The ask is high because the Canadians value him and they're certainly willing to re-sign him and have that conversation in the summer. I think he's a guy that helps you win. I think he's a perfect fit on a playoff team and at an inexpensive cap hit for this season, pending restricted free agent has a lot of value team control. Does he get moved? I still think it's less likely than likely, but there has always been a lot of interest in Lekkonen. Nothing one, new today. The one team, Frank, that makes a lot of sense for everything you say, the Los Angeles Kings. Yep. He and makes Deneau sense there. Him. He makes yeah. uh, Philip Deneau knows him. He makes sense uh, on a lot of teams. What did Luke, what did Luke Robitaille tell us last week? He loves guys who have passion and play with it. And, you know, you just described it perfectly. Uh, uh, and I think the Kings will get to them uh, in a sec. But first, uh, we're going to bring in Tyler Uremchuk. Yes, sir. Let's get into a new edition of Buy or Sell delivered by DoorDash. Uh-huh, there you go, Liam. Uh, brought to you by DoorDash. 25% off, no delivery fees with the promo code RUNDOWNDD. Um, you guys have been going for almost an hour already. I'm not sure how you're not out of breath and you're only halfway through the league. So good luck with that. Um, but last year at the deadline, we saw 16 trades. Your first question here on fill in the blank. We will see blank trades at the deadline. Frank? Deadline day itself? Yeah, deadline day, March 21st. 23. I don't know. Ooh, you think we're going straight out of my ass? Seven more than last year, though. So it'll be busier. All right. All right. I was actually, I'm going to say 18. 18. So a little bit busier. All right. Um, you haven't got to this team yet. I'd imagine you will touch on them, but I'll ruin the topic and fill in the blank. The Sharks' decision to re sign Tomash Hurdle was blank. Jason? Par for the course. The uh, the Sharks owner he uh, he is not afraid to pay money for uh, guys. They're they're a loyal organization, and uh, they felt like uh, rather than going in a full rebuild, they're going to try to uh, retool. All right, fill in the blank. Uh, foolish. Hmm. I I don't. You can never go wrong having an elite center on your team, but you can go wrong in spending 52% of next year's cap on five players for a team that already has had those players and hasn't won. Their issue isn't in getting somewhat elite talent. Their issue is in filling out the rest of their group and their group is aging. All those guys, Brent Burns is, is approaching his late thirties. Eric Carlson will be 33 Vlasic mid thirties. Couture, 33. Hurdle will be 29. 52% of your cap on those guys is a ton. Yeah. And I, don't, I just don't know what their path forward is to getting better. They'll have a little cap space or flexibility, but they could have really used the assets to give this team a shot in the arm in terms of restocking their cupboard. And Hurdle would have been the perfect guy to do that with. Yeah. All right, third one I got. The goaltending market has been changing a little bit, uh, but we got Forsberg, Flurry, Gorgiev, Blackwood, and Corpusalo are the five names on Frank Cervalli's trade targets list. Uh, Halak out of those, as well. Did you pardon? see him? Oh, Did sorry, Halak? Halak. Yes, there are there are six. I missed Halak. Um, there are six goalies on the list. Blank get moved by the deadline, Frank. 
Flurry, Georgiev, Corpusalo. I think those are the three that get moved. All right, three to six. Jay, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw in one name, Frank, that I think mm-hmm. is going to get moved as well. Scott Wedgwood in Arizona. There's been so much talk about with Jim Malka. Go look at Wedgwood's numbers, and then you look at his uh, his you know the other deep dive into goalie numbers. Scott Wedgwood has had a really good season in Arizona. Someone please don't acquire Craig Anderson. <laughs> I saw his name out there this week, and I was like, really. Uh, 40 years old. He's struggled at times this year is he's, he's, he can't move his right arm. Like, I, I don't know. Like what? I, I don't understand the thought process of some teams. Uh, Wedgwood he doesn't me, even want to go anywhere. No, no, I don't think they're going to trade. <laughs> I can't believe if, he wanted to go to Buffalo this year. Good for him though. Yeah. Balling. All right. Fourth one. Uh, the blank are the biggest wild card team at the trade deadline. Jason. The Nashville Predators, because they have the most cap space and they've got like they're I'm not sure what they are. I, I I think they could be a team that is tough to play against in playoffs. And right now, hey, don't look now, but Roman Yossi has put himself legit in the Norris Trophy. He's been unreal as of late for the Nashville Predators. They got UC Saros. So uh, they're my wildcard team because of their cap space and the construction of their team. If they could add another skilled player, watch out. And this is such a tough question because I, I think there's so many teams that are wild cards. I think St. Louis is a wild card. They're in so many different discussions. They could get a forward and a defenseman. They got to move out money. I think the LA Kings are a wild card because I think they could add uh, with the right fit and could be a, a stronger playoff team. I think the non-playoff teams are just as big wild cards. Like Columbus is a big wild card. The New Jersey devils are a big wild card. I think Detroit is a wild card. I got, I, I can't pick one. Those are five teams that I think are authentic teams that could do just about anything. Wrapping it up. Our fifth question is our points bet bonus question brought to you by points bet Canada. They are ready to go in Ontario. So head over, check out points bet Canada. I think they got a welcome gift as well. Doing some great stuff North of the border. The Vegas golden Knights are plus 100, even money to make the playoffs minus 120 to miss either of those a good bet, or is it too close to call Frank? Too close to call. They don't need to go on a crazy run to get in. I just, what do they do with their goaltending? And we'll dive into that. I just, I don't think there's a, I I wouldn't touch it period, but that's just me. Hmm. Oh, I I would bet on them not to make it right now. We haven't got an update yet today on Jack Eichel. What if Jack Eichel is injured now too, guys? Um, He's he's throwing all the goal, all the goaltending issues as well in Vegas. All the karma. Uh, uh, Look at, look at Dallas. Frank, I know you love your points percentage. Look at Vegas and Dallas. I know Vegas is technically in the second wildcard spot, but Dallas has four games in hand. I, I think Vegas, Edmonton's, Edmonton's found their game. They're healthy. We'll get into Edmonton in a second. But I, I say uh, Vegas is going to be on the outside looking in. Um, I, I can't remember. Was it Frank? I don't know who said it this week. But the best analogy I heard of Vegas was their fan base and organization are finally in the NHL because they're feeling pain for the first time. It wasn't me but I do think they're feeling karma. Do you know how badly I wanted to tweet you last night when you tweeted about the standings and Dallas and, and Vegas. With yeah, but I put in your, Hey, just for you. <laughs> I, I did you see the last line, Frank? 
Did you see what I wrote? Four games in hand, just for you. Yeah, four games in hand. I didn't see yeah. the two magical words, points yeah. percentage, though. Yeah, points percentage. That's Frank's big thing. All right, that's going to be a wrap on another edition of Buy or Fill in the Blank, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Ding dong. Enjoy deadline day, and uh, we'll chat at some point next week. All right, let's get into it. Uh, now we'll get into the West, and uh, we will start at the uh, bottom of the of the Central Division. A team that you know, they they seem to have a, to be have a lot of conversations. You know, you got Jacob Chickard, Although I'm with you, Frank. I think it's less likely that he gets traded. But you know, Phil Kessel. I I'm telling you, I think Wedgwood is the surprise name who could get moved uh, for Arizona. Any other players you see uh, in Arizona that uh, you think are good chances to get moved? Yeah, I think. There's been increased chatter again this week about Lawson Kraus. I don't see it because he's been really productive. He's had yes. a good year and, you know, he's knocking on the door of 20 goals. He's a res- pending restricted free agent at one five. You got to ice a team next year. Who's going to be in your lineup? I don't think they're moving Schmaltz. I don't think they're moving Keller. Um, I, the other possibility is Vimelka. So that's it. No. Okay. I, uh, Oh, Oh, actually there's one more guy. I think that popped up, uh, Johan Larson. Uh, oh yeah. He's, he's been injured, but how close is he to returning? I think that's one guy that there's a couple of teams that have interest in, just to maybe uh, beef up a, a team on the wing. Well, I know uh, a, a wood guy on Twitter is a big uh, analytics guy and he's crunched his numbers for years and thinks that Larson could be a sneaky pickup for a team. So uh, uh, we'll look at that, but I'm telling you, I think Wedgwood's, you know, people, everybody's talking about Wedgmelka. Wedgwood actually had better numbers. So um, he, and cost you nothing. He, I think he's going to be the guy. That's my surprise pick. No one's talking about him. I think that's the guy who, who gets moved. Out Interesting. There. The, uh, the San Jose, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, um, man, they're open for business. Frank, their GM has said it. Um, how open ultimately do you think they end up being like how busy I should say, rather than open, they're wide open, but how busy do you think the Hawks are between now and Monday's deadline? Pretty busy. Calvin DeHaan, um, they're, they're trying to move him. He's got, he he's second round pick territory. I think, um, that's what they're looking for. Teams are hoping that it drops a bit. I mentioned Boston as being one of the teams interested. Uh, everyone's curious about flurry. He might be the most intriguing player at the deadline. Brandon Hagel's in our top 10. I think there's been no shortage of interest in him with the season he's had. It's, you know, he's got an outside chance at 30 goals. Uh, what a revelation he's been. And, and also two more years at one five. Yeah. is just unreal. It makes, no, it makes no sense for Chicago to trade him for me. Like, well, he has more value to other teams than he does to the Blackhawks. That's the truth. The rebuilding. He has more value to others at one five than he does. The contract is nice, but it doesn't mean anything for the Hawks because they don't have any cap space issues. Okay. So that, but I'll counter with, so what are you going to get? Let's say you get a first rounder for him. They're going to get a, they're, they're asking for a first rounder and a top prospect, like a grade a prospect. Hmm. Yeah. What if, so let me just play devil's advocate with you. And this is what other teams have asked is what if Brandon Hagel is Ryan Hartman? It's having a one great year offensively. Well, think back to a number of years ago, Ryan Hartman was a first round pick, which means something because Hagel wasn't Hagel was a late round pick, but Ryan Hartman had 19 goals at the deadline. 
and they traded him to the Nashville Predators for a first round pick. Yeah. Hagel has 21 goals. They were the same age, 23 at the time. And Hartman just ended up being a so-so guy until breaking out essentially four years later with the Minnesota wild this year, scoring 24. Yeah. Here's, here's my reason why I think they're different. Um, I'm a big believer that, you know, scoring is, is an ability you have. If you look at, at Hartman in, in the WHL or sorry, in junior in Plymouth, he was like a point of game guy. He scored 25 goals. Brendan Hagel was a hundred point player in junior, right? He had 41 goals uh, one season. He had 31 another year. Like that, that guy has more of a proven pedigree of offense. So if I'm betting on who I think could maintain it more, I would bet on Hagel. It's a, the, the productivity has been great. The other part about Hagel that's awesome is he digs in, he works, uh, he competes, he's versatile. Um, you know, he can play power play. He can play penalty kill. Um, you know, he, he's plays well defensively. Like there's not really any hole in Brandon Hagel's game, which is another reason why the ask is what it is. Dominic Kubalik is a guy they're trying to move. I think they're in late round pick territory for Kubalik. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, Flurry's obviously the uh, the main one, but I look at Chicago, and when you say you're in a rebuild, having watched it up close for many years, the biggest mistake you make is you trade away. You know, Brandon Hagel's 23; he's got an unreal contract for two more years. By then, he's 25, and if he's established, you resign him anyway at, at four mil, and, he, and he's still more value to your team because even a top prospect, the chance of that top prospect scoring you 25 to 30 goals is low. So I, I, I think you could make it and then you, you sell yourself on hope. But like if, if Brendan Hagel made five mil, Frank, I could see it. But even if he regresses to only scoring 20 goals next year, 1.5 million is still an unreal bargain. Like I wouldn't. That's do it why he's a bargain for another team. Yeah. Oh, no, I like get I it. Said, hey, the, the, the Hawks have this contract doesn't really mean anything to them. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what about um, Dylan Strom? Would you trade for Dylan Strom? And what would you trade for Dylan Strom? 16 goals, 16 assists in 48 games has really come alive of late has played well with Kane. And this is a guy that you could have got for nothing. Yes. In October. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's an interesting one. Like you, you know, you look at his brother, Ryan and just at, at his development curve, and you know what? Uh, he really took off. Now he took off playing with Panarin, but still, you got to be a good player to play with good players. So, man, I would probably take it. I would roll the dice on um, on Strom because I don't think it's going to cost you very much, Frank. I think the cost is going to be way lower. And now I know you have to qualify him. I, I think at three, maybe three. I have to look at his contract. Maybe it's three, two. But he, I think Dylan Strom might be a guy where the light bulb has went on and it's just taken a little bit longer, similar to his brother. Maybe, but he's had stretches like this before and then has been rocked to sleep afterwards. Yeah, no, that, I mean, he that's, had a 51 point season a number of years ago in 58 games. Yeah. 51 and yeah, 58, and then did basically jack squat last year. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? he might have been one of those guys, Frank, that, you know, the whole COVID thing just wasn't a fit for him, right? You know, you're, could you're be isolated. Anything. You never know. Like, the, could you know, be there's playing the, on a bad team. It could yeah, be the human, thing. that too. And the human element side of it. I, when guys have really odd years in the, in the COVID one, I've, I've learned that it's, 
it's one where I would be like, hey, if he's bounced back now and things are back to normal and he was there before it was normal, that the outlier might be the COVID factor, right? And, I, and he's I, also already hot. been traded once. Yeah. Yeah. So he, that's the other advantage, Frank. And you've talked to, to a lot of people about this. Acquiring guys who have already been traded is maybe a better bet in, in season because they've, they've handled it once. So they, it might not take them as long to, mm-hmm. uh, to get comfortable in their new surroundings. Winnipeg. Whew, what about the Jets? Hey, um, they, you know, they, they've obviously they got to beat Vegas again. They've got to go on a real big run here. I think they ultimately end up being sellers, and I think Andrew Cops the main guy who goes. Yeah, I mean that's that's what all signs are pointing to. Uh, they're on track for eighty nine points. They've increased their pace. They were on on track for eighty five a week ago, eighty three before that. They've tightened the standings chase, but the math is not in their favor. Cop is an obvious, easy guy to move and there'd be lots of interest. He's versatile again, can play wing, can play center is conscientious defensively, smart player. I haven't heard, I wait, I haven't heard almost anything about Paul Stasny. Like what, what an underrated season he's had at age 36. Yeah. 31 points, 17 goals in 50 games. He's on track for his first 20 goal season since 2014. Boston Bruins and Paul Stashney, Andrew Kopp in Colorado. That's my prediction. Okay. But you're right, Frank. Stashney has very quietly had a good season in New England. And I think because there's been such a focus on Winnipeg underachieving, right? That as a team, which is fair, but there's been some individuals that have had good years. Mm-hmm. So uh, the now you get into what's uh, what's fascinating in that division, uh, the Dallas Stars. And uh, you mentioned earlier, Andre Sekron waivers. They're, they're making move. You think Nick Letty's the guy? What other moves you see them making? I think that's kind of I, I don't see them going out and taking a big swing, but maybe a, a, a small addition that can help their group. And I think Letty fits. They, they, again, they have to move money. Sekera on waivers was their way to do it, at least to start. Um, Letty makes a lot of sense. And then I think after that, you just let the chips fall where they may. You know, Klingberg, you keep him. They re-signed Pavelski. You're keeping Holtby. Um it's just an amazing turnaround for a team that we all wondered for the longest time, would they be buyers is now in a position to actually add at the deadline because they've played so well during this stretch. And I don't know, they're, they're a fascinating team. I guess my only question is because it looks and all the math suggests that they're the second wild card. Can they really give Colorado a run for their money? That's, that's what it all comes down to. There's a 22 point gap between these teams. Well, if you listen to Daryl Sutter, Frank, it'd be a waste of eight days. <laughs> it feels like that, doesn't it? So then you're, you're yeah. asking yourself, why are you adding? But then I think every team will say, hello, Columbus Blue Jackets, 2019. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know that that they're not Columbus Blue Jackets went out and traded for a bunch of guys. But they were, my point was they were still like, they played Tampa who was the dominant team that everybody thought would roll them. That's what no, that, that, that was. That's no, that's not, that's the, that's a different year. The year they added all the pieces, they won the first round and lost to Boston in the second. 
No, no, but I'm talking about, no, Frank, I'm talking about the upset special. You know, when you, you say, I don't care who the wildcard team is, you have no oh, chance. Oh, oh, oh. That's what I'm suggesting. I thought yeah, you like, meant in terms of adding. No, 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 no. I was saying that when you're in, you never know. I agree with Daryl Sutter's premise, but, you know, even last year, most people thought Toronto was going to walk Montreal. Like, it, there's... They are battle-tested. I mean, look, there's yep. no question. Like, they've gotten to the Stanley Cup final. They've got veteran pieces. They're hard to play against. You got to get Heiskin and healthy. You got to, yes, he's got to get over the mono. And that's such a big part of their team. I don't think they have even a prayer if Heiskin is not playing or if he's not close to a hundred percent. Yeah. That that's the wild card. And, and, and honestly with mono, you, you have you don't no, know. it's not like a shoulder injury or a knee where you're like, okay, four to six weeks mono. You have no idea because, and it can like, it can be devastating. The just takes you four months to get over for some people. So who knows? But yeah, that's the wild card. Now we get to my team, Frank, my surprise team, the Nashville Predators. Your squad. They they, uh, they got so much cap space and cap space. Like, like I know you can make some trades work, but I think they've got the flexibility. And the one player's name who intrigued me that you talked about was, I wonder if the Predators look at uh, Bertuzzi, right? Once you brought him up, like he kind of fits their style. The other thing I think they need though, is I think they need a right defenseman. Yeah, they tried the right defensive route, uh, getting Phil Myers from the Flyers last year. I, yeah, they definitely could use a right shot guy. I don't, I think the Preds are another team that I think they've probably even surprised themselves this year with how well they've played. And, and a lot of that's been on the back of their third line and the shot yeah. in the arm that they've gotten from Janot and, and Trennan and, and that group. How much do you want to spend? Yeah, that's like they fair. were teetering on the edge of a rebuild. You got that goalie though. Like the goalie can steal you series, right? And they got one of the best, they got top three defensemen in the league. Like they're going to be just, hard out for whoever they yeah. play. Uh, Nashville, Calgary would be a really good first round series. Ooh, that would be a battle. And like, that's what they're tracking towards right now. Yeah. Like I, I look at the Preds right now and I just, I, I think. <laughs> You know, obviously anybody who's taken on Colorado is, an, is the underdog. Let me make that abundantly clear. But uh, I just, I think Nashville might surprise some teams here. And, the, and like David Poyle, you know, he's got lots of experience, Frank. You know, you wait and, you know, maybe you can make a move. I agree with you. They don't want to mortgage the future. I don't, I don't think they're there yet, but they might, they could add some, some, some guys that other teams are just like, Hey, you know what? Here you go. Like, we'll get rid of this guy because you know, we're not going anywhere and he's a UFA. And, you know, if you don't have to give up lots, like some mid round picks, I, I just, Nashville's my surprise team at the deadline. I think they might make more moves than we're thinking. I, I, I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know who is in that category. Like who's handing you a right shot guy to add to your mix. Yeah. Well, the, the problem is there's not great right shot defenseman to be added. Um, that That's the one to me that's interesting. So that's that's their problem. But they definitely could use one. Uh, now the Minnesota Wild. And what's interesting about the Wild is, is the Jack McBain factor, right? Um, and so he's not on their roster, right? So, you know, how much, like, did, does he have more value than a 2022 first round pick in your eyes? No. Okay. They're trying to get a second for him. Yeah. So Boston. Maybe. 
I don't have a real sense on where he wants to go. Cause that's, that's the tricky part about all of this is like, no one wants to give up anything unless they know they're signing him. Yeah. So that obviously Minnesota, I would assume as part of the deal would give you permission to talk to his camp. Obviously. I would think so. Yeah. So, um, they, they made the move, uh, you know, Tyson, uh, Joe's did that, you know, kind of a hockey trade where they added some salary to, to get rid of, uh, uh, Nico Sturm. I, I think they're hoping that, you know, Joe's is obviously a guy that will, that will more give upside. Them a little, bit of, bit of depth scoring, uh, for them. Do you see them making any other moves? Like Minnesota's they're a unique situation, Frank, because if they're in cap hell the next three years, because of all the dead cap space, if you're Bill yeah, Garrett, you go for it. I'm so torn on the wild. Cause I think when they play to their ability and to their identity, I think they have as good a chance as anyone in the West to knock off Colorado. If anyone can. Okay. I put them in the same category as St. Louis and Calgary. I just, this swoon over these last few weeks has really, really has me concerned as to will they be able to find their stride in time for the playoffs to be that team and will an acquisition help them or hurt them? Huh. Like when I, I look at Minnesota, like, Hey, I'll say this Caprice off, man, that guy's lived up to everything. So uh, good for him. I, I, I look at, you know what Minnesota needs, Frank, I think they need some size in their top four, right. It's, which is hard to find. Right. That, and that's that's my one concern about the wild come playoff time is do they, you know, Spurgeon and Dumba, Brodeen and Goligoski, are they big and heavy enough to go to go deep in the playoffs? I just think their forwards are so like big and heavy enough that that's not a concern. OK, yeah, you're right. They definitely they have the counterbalance there for sure. Um, I think they're poking around ever so slightly on the goalie market as well. Just checking prices. Hmm. I don't, I don't, I could see them doing nothing and I, I could think. see them doing something big. Yeah. Well, Bill Guerin, man, he comes from the Jim Rutherford tree of GM. So can never rule him out to make a big deal. That's for sure. Uh, the St. Louis blues, you mentioned, uh, Mr. Rutherford, uh, or Armstrong, excuse me, is, uh, is involved and he's got his, he's got his, uh, his ear in every conversation. Like St. Louis is a fascinating team to me, Frank, cause it's, they're not far removed from winning. They, you know, they've still got a lot of very good players at a lot of different positions. Um, you know, Huso's been very good in goal. Bennington's starting to find his game. So, you know, I don't know who's going to be their goalie. They might be Pittsburgh where both of them play. But what do you think they need? They need a partner for Colton Pareko. Because for a long stretch this year, it had been Nico Mikala. Yep. They need some versatility at forward, I think, as well. Someone that can go up and down their lineup, someone that can play center and wing. Like, just on a pure stylistic basis, I think they could actually use a little Nick Paul. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I think defensively, though, I think they're like willing to swing big. Here's the problem. Hampus Lindholm. They don't have any money. Yes, that's the problem. Ah, they lots would of need teams to move out point. money, and who's gonna? Who would? Who would it be? David like- Perron is a pending UFA, but he's also been one of their hottest players again. Yeah, I don't think you can trade him. He's a he's a proven playoff performer too. 
I, I, I agree with you. How could they possibly trade him? The better question is why isn't he resigned? I think, you know what, when you look at David Prime, I think he wants to be in St. Louis. They want him there. I, I think that's a, like a, a late signing that could easily happen. That's probably why it hasn't happened, uh, to be oh. honest. Um, the thing that the Blues have done, Frank, is, you know, they've been able to retool on the fly internally. Thomas and Cairo have really stepped up offensively for them. And those guys got another year of great contracts. They're under three million bucks uh, at 2.8. I, I think the Blues, if there's one mistake they made a little bit is the construction of their defense of when you compare their Stanley Cup winning defense to this one. That to me, it's it's a little bit different. I agree with you. They could use a partner there. Hampus Linton would be unreal, and uh, um, I, I, I like I I don't know how they would acquire him, but if they could, then they'd have to be a, there'd be a trade later than in the summer, as you talked about it earlier. You don't worry about it, uh, but then they'd have to move on to Falk or Krug in the summertime. Uh, I, I think to to resign Lindholm, but he's the perfect fit. If there they want to swing the big, he's the perfect fit. Their, their issue is all the guys they have with term like that fall contract. Yeah. It's going to hurt. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, I think ultimately the Scandella contract hurts. Like they got him from Montreal and immediately signed him to that deal. Um, Pareko's deal will be fine. I'm not as worried about Krug, but Falk's deal is really going to hurt. I, you know, I mentioned on Thursday, the idea of, the blues offering up Bennington as a solution to some teams and their goaltending problems. That would be one way to move money. I just don't think anyone's willing to bite on Bennington and the contract. Yeah. And hockey trades around the deadline are rare historically, right? That's, I think, you know, if, if you can make a Bennington move, it might be more of an off season move. Right. But you're right though, about that's how you free up the money. For sure. Well, then you can resign. Not only can you do something at the deadline, then you can also just keep Huso. Yes. And keep him at a lesser number and lesser term than Bennington, and you're set. You can, you know, you can find another backup to play with Huso next year. Yeah, tough though to tough to to trade a goalie with term at that point when you know. Now it all depends. What if Bennington, whose game is slowly starting to come around here, what yeah. if he he picks it's it been up a roller in the playoffs? Coaster. Yeah. Oh, it has been. Now. I thought the Colorado Avalanche on Monday, we were asked And of course, then they made two trades right after our pod. I think there's another one coming. I think Cot makes a lot of sense for that team. I just think Joe Sackick is going in. I love the Josh Manson trade. I absolutely love that trade. He's exactly what they need for that team. I think he's a perfect fit. And, uh, you know, Sturm gives him a guy that can win some face-offs. You know, he's not a top-end forward, but a centerman, but he can win some face-offs for them. The, the Andrew Kopp rumors, Frank, just they make so much sense to me. And, and I think Joe Sackick is going to push even more chips in here. I, I expect another significant deal from them before Monday. Yeah, and look, they're still squarely in the Claude Giroux race. That's at least what I'm told, that of, of all the other contending teams that I checked in with, everyone else said on Friday that they're out. So that leaves two and man, what a fit Drew would be. And they can afford the cap hit with the money that they moved out by trading Jost, uh, by getting Anaheim to retain on Manson. Like they're in a really enviable position because if it's not Drew, they can check down to someone else that could still be a really good fit at a lesser cost that might give you a pretty significant impact. 
Now we move to the final division in the Pacific. The uh, Calgary Flames will work from top to bottom. Um, you know what? They've already made a. They've already made uh, two trades. Really, if you go back to the Toffoli trade, uh, they get Yarncroft in and paid a fairly hefty price. You know, three draft picks uh, for him. Frank, do you believe that Brad Treleving is done, or does he add a depth defenseman? I think they get a depth defenseman, and I think they just get the best one they can find before Monday at three p.m. for the le- the least cost. Any chance they bring Hamannick back? Not at that cap hit. Okay. So yeah, depth defense. When I would, I think they've made their moves up front. They go for a depth. Now I do. I love the yarn croak trade. Like I I actually love both these trades and it's not recency biased based on to on to Foley and the success that he's found in Calgary. I feel like these are two trades that were really well thought out and curated. I think that's the best word is that the fits and the comfort level with all these guys between everyone knowing to Foley Sutter, he played for him, you know, played with Milan Lucic, um, you know, played with Sean Monahan. And then you bring in uh yarn croak, who's cousins with Lindholm and, and grew up in the same town as Markstrom, Yavle, Sweden. And, I just love the versatility that he provides. Brad True Living called him a three position forward. He can play any any spot on really any line. He can kill penalties. He's diligent. He works. He grinds. And and then Toffoli gives you the scoring punch. Like I I really, really like Calgary's team. And I would not be surprised at all to see them go on a deep run. You have Sean Monahan. Before I move on, I just have to ask: You have Monahan on, on your trade bait board. I think you have him at nineteenth. Uh, I think it is, or twentieth, or eighteenth, something like that. Anyway, um, or sorry, fifteenth now. You trade Sean Monahan. That obviously frees up a lot of cap space. It could give you the option to to resign Johnny Gaudreau, who's going to get a bump from his six point seven five, and I think they'd love to resign him. How realistic do you think a Sean Monahan trade is? And if they do it, Frank, what would they want in return? Well, at this point, what they're doing is getting out from under his contract. And if it's just to dump the money, like if, if it's to get someone else now to help them, I could see them doing it. But if it's just to unload the contract, they're just going to wait till the summer to do that. And someone will take him off their hands because I think there's teams interested to say, Hey, this guy's 27. He's, he was, historically an easy, reliable 30, 30 guy, every season, 30 goals, 30 assists. And now his game has fallen off a cliff. He's playing fourth line minutes. I think he's the perfect insurance piece. If you don't have something else big lined up, but if you do, he's also a really easy guy to move to free up the space because it's dollars in dollars out. So that's why he's on the board. I, I don't know how big of a swing they're going to take, but um, I don't know. It's They're an interesting team. I think they're going to keep trying. Okay. Um, speaking of interesting teams, the uh, the Los Angeles Kings, um, two huge wins here recently over Florida and San Jose. When you consider all the injuries in uh 
in LA. Because if you just look at cap hit, Frank, on the IR, Dowdy 11 mil, Brown 5.8, Arvidsson 4.2, Matt Roy 3 mil, uh, Andres Athanasio 2.7 mil, Brennan Lemieux 1.5 mil, Sean Walker's on LTIR at 2.6. Like, it's ridiculous how much money. We're talking close to 30 mil. Now, I know LTIR gives them space, but when you're on IR, you're still counting on the roster. They got a bunch of young guys. Like, I think last night they had something like I want to say seven forwards making less than a million dollars in their lineup last night due to all of these injuries. Right. And I think they only had three players making more than 2 million in the IFL. Yeah. They, they are. I think the LA Kings are a pretty good team. You, you look at them really since um, in the, in the last 25 games uh, they have been, uh, they've been right up there. I think they have the third best uh, points percentage in that time. They're 14, five and three, you know, they, they've had these injuries. They fought through them for the recent games. Like, you know, we had Luke Robitaille on last week and, you know, he kind of said what they're looking for. Like, I expect the Kings to add at least one piece, you know, to say to their team, hey, you guys, we've done something. They're going to break and mortgage the future, I wouldn't think. But I've been really impressed by the L.A. Kings. And Hard not to me. Yeah. And so I'm uh, I'm kind of intrigued to see, you know, who they would look at as, as a rental that because they do have tons of prospects right now. That doesn't mean you're just going to want to give them all away by any stretch, but like, I'm wondering, I, I know it might be odd because he's right their neighbor, but do you think a Ricard Raquel to LA makes any sense to you? Mm, that's one name I hadn't considered. I don't necessarily think so just because of being Anaheim, rivals, LA. but yeah. yeah, I don't know that Anaheim's dying to do LA any favors. Um, I I've honestly spent more time focusing on their defense and I love the young guys that they've brought up. I think Sean Dursey has been great. Um, but I think their defense really gets thin in a hurry. You know, you have Dowdy of course at the top and then you got this kind of big drop off between Edler Mata and Matt Roy. I'd put, you know, Roy in the second spot. Mikey Anderson had played really well. They missed him for a stretch in January. And I think you could tell when he was out, but that's that. I know a a lot of people have honed in on their left side. And, and I said, a guy that makes complete sense is Brandon Hagel for a lot of the same reasons we talked about. Yeah. And just the heart, but I, I still think they need some help on their back end as well. Yeah. And I would agree with you that, like, unless they they swing for one of the bigger ones, right? Like after you get past like a, a Lindholm and we talked about, you know, if they're not going to trade him Raquel, they're probably not trading him Lindholm. So, um, you know, the risk of him going to L.A. would, would not be ideal for the Anaheim Ducks. Now, if he signs there as a free agent, you can't control it. But trading him there, you can control. So I don't think there's any chance. The problem is once you get past, you know, the top D-men and, you know, if we assume now, I know that, you know, there was lots of L.A. rumors that are trying to get Chikrin and, you know, you've said that you're not sure he's going to get dealt. So the, the problem is after the next guys like Nick Letty might make the most sense to the L.A. Kings. On the back end, but like I just I don't think it I don't think they're a team that's in a position to be spending a lot on rentals like I don't unless you're planning on signing Letty. Yeah. Which is possible, I guess. Um, I, I don't it. I don't see them as being a big rental spender. I don't know that. Like, I think at that point you just roll the dice and you say, let's just stick with what we got. Yeah, that's fair. Cause let's get our kids experience and let's get them important playoff experience. Like if if you look at any of the other, um, 
um, defensemen available, like, are, are they clearly, you know, better than what they have? Right. Like you, you could go, you know, you could go get a Colin Miller, for instance. Right. If you wanted to. But um, like maybe Carson Soucy, because he can play both sides, you know, or but Calvin Hans probably more of a rental. Right, Frank. So like when we say defense, I'm not sure I agree with you, but I don't know if unless they go for a rental or any of the other guys like that much better of an upgrade. I don't I don't think so. Yeah. And that's where I'd say just stick with what you got. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I if you're see. trading in your LA, you're trading for a guy that has term. Okay. Uh, the Edmonton orders, Frank, uh, have been now here's, here's some numbers for you. the orders. Everybody remembers they were 16 and five best team in the NHL. Then they had a swoon where they were the worst for 15 games. Now though, in the last 23 games, the orders have the six best points percentage. Again, there's they're 16, seven and two. They're healthy again. Um, you know, and in that swoon, when they went to 11 and two, they played 11 different defensemen in 15 games. So what does Ken Holland, like, does he owe his team? I know he doesn't have a ton of cap space, right? Like they they sent Brad Malone down last night. They're just trying to save every little penny that they can. He creates some space for them to acquire someone. But like, when I look at outside of 15 games, the orders have been really good. Yeah. So should Ken Holland maybe do more than people think? Maybe, but I don't think that they will. No. Because like a left defenseman would help them. Yep. You know, Someone if you could, with some size, a shutdown guy would be good. A shutdown guy like like Carson Soucy isn't overly physical right now. The advantage of Soucy is he can play both sides though. He can play left or right. So I, I you know that that's helpful. Um, I think the asking price right now is a little high after. Um, what Seattle saw Ben Sherratt get because Susie's got one year left on his contract as well. So, you know, I, like Edmonton, I don't know if they really need any forwards they, you know, with, with uh, they already made a big splash in Evander Kane and he's been good. And Nugent Hopkins is coming back. Like their top nine for the first time in long time is actually pretty deep. So like, I, I don't know if they were willing to do it, but like, I wonder, I don't think they are ready but I really question if maybe they should take a big swing bigger than maybe they they're thinking on doing because their team outside of 15 games when their defense core was depleted, they've actually been really good. Yeah. Uh, I, and I don't think they're going to do anything on the goalie front either. No. So you're, well, I should at- say, I should say this. they did inquire about flurry, but so they would have, if he I was think they've inquired about a ton of guys. Yeah. But there's not many other goalies that are clear upgrades that are available. That's the question. And that's, that's what the they thing. determined, right? So yeah. I don't see, and Koskinen has actually played quite well. And he poo-pooed the notion this week, of course, that it's because, you know, you can't let him run with the, the ball for a while. That and then he, he let in five, much. Frank. Yeah. So sorry. Sorry. I, that, that's not anything made up. There's statistical data. A hundred percent. I just thought it was interesting that he tried to contest it. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't see Edmonton being a ginormous player. I don't think they're, they're not trading their first round pick. I don't think, I don't think they're trading one of their top prospects. What are their trade chips? That's what I keep coming back to. Yeah. I want, I, I think Ken Holland maybe could be a little bit more aggressive because I'll say this Edmonton has matched up well against Calgary for a long time. And uh, right now it looks like Edmonton and LA are likely going to meet in the first round. And, you know, I think if you're the orders, you know, you, you'll take your forward group against them. And I think you'll take your defense group against them. LA probably has the advantage in goal a little bit right now. I think both teams, you're rolling the dice and you're going, 
we're going in as we are and whoever comes out comes out. Yeah. But Edmonton, I do think will add a a left defenseman at bare minimum. I'm not sure how big of an acquisition is it? And I don't think it's huge to be honest. Um, Because the the biggest organizational depth they have is on left defense. Like that's that's the most organizational depth they have coming. They got Broberg coming. They got Nima Line. You got Samora Coffee. You know, they got other guys in the American League they like. So um, you know, to to acquire a left defenseman with term, when you have Keith and Nurse again for next year, that's their challenge. Ideally, they would like to acquire, I think, a right defenseman, but that's probably more of an off-season summer trade where, you know, you move out maybe a Tyson Berry, who I think has value because he's got, he's an offensive guy, you know, it's two years left. He doesn't have a ridiculous contract. He's like, he's under 5 million, but that's probably a summer trade. So um, I don't, I don't think Edmonton's going to add the, the only wild card here, Frank is maybe if there's interest from an American team for Josh Archibald, if they can get a player back, I don't think they're going to trade Archibald just for a sixth or anything like that. If there's a team that thinks, hey, you know, we'll uh, we'll trade you our guy for your guy because Archibald's more valuable to a U.S. team where he can play virtually every game. So that, that's the one kind of little caveat there. Does Nick Letty make any sense? <sighs> well, what's I like Nick Letty a lot. I think it'd be ideal. But what what's going to be the rental cost for him? It's a, I think like I said it's a second round pick. Well, I, you know what? Because. Well, the, technically, like they don't 100% own the second. The odds are it's probably going to be a third that goes to Chicago in that Duncan Key trade. So, so maybe you you spin it. It's a second rounder, um, you know, depending on the Keith. If it's not Keith, then you can do it. Or you push it to 2023, although it's a deeper draft. But yeah, you could make that work. Nick Letty, Nick Letty would be an ideal, ideal player for the Empton Orders. I can't, I, I've the, scoured the, the list and I'm not seeing anyone else that really gets you excited. Yeah. The problem with Nick for. Letty, Frank, is the orders don't have a ton of cap space and, and people are like, well, throw in t- Kyle Turris. Well, Kyle Turris is on LTIR right now. So he doesn't, he's not even counting against you. So free, throwing him in the deal doesn't really free up any money for you. So if Edmonton's going to make a deal like that, they've got to ship out some money the other way. They have to, because, you know, Nick Letty, even if you're taking half, it's 2.75. Right. right. Or, so who would be the guy? Are you trading Lagason? Yeah, you could throw him in in the deal, sure. But he's what like is he even eight hundred thousand? I don't think so. He's so. seven twenty-five. I'm just doing yeah. the math on Letty at five. It gets you closer, at least. Yes. Because you're get, you're just assuming that Detroit's eating half. Yeah. And, and maybe maybe you have to get creative and there's a third team in there, but then you're you know what I mean? Then you're paying then more. Then you're paying more and you don't yeah, really want to so. do that. Like Edmonton's in a tough spot, Frank, because I think their team might be better. I think so many people focused on the 15 games is they don't look at the other two games where they're 32, 12 and two when their team isn't ravaged by defensive injuries. And by the way, when Connor McDavid was less than a point of game player, which is unheard of. Right. <laughs> so um, Edmonton might be surprisingly good. Is all I'm saying, but I, I'm not sure they'll make a move. And I think that they might regret not doing that. So mm-hmm. um, then you get down to uh, now you got teams that this is intriguing to me. The next few teams in this division, Frank, because they're all they're all battling and hoping to, to be playoff spot. But, you know, Vegas has got all sorts of uh, injury issues. So do they just stand pat? Like, is it worth it if you're Vegas to make a move? Maybe for a goalie. Cause I think if you get better goaltending, you might be able to squeak in. Yeah. Like Edmonton doesn't have that spot locked up by any means. 
Yeah, I don't I don't see Vegas catching Edmonton, man. Ve- Vegas, Frank, for the last two and a half months, they're like 26th in the NHL in points percentage. Yeah, but like, what's to say the, the Oilers don't have another 15 game or 20 game run like they did? Well, if, if you if the only reason that happened, though, was due to significant injuries. Right. So the other if they're healthy, there's no reason to believe they would have a swoon like that. I mean, the other healthy, team they could catch is Dallas. Yeah, that that's who the battle is. And Dallas, uh, you know, you've talked about it, points percentage and and games in hand. That's Vegas to challenge here. Like Vegas is and they don't have a lot of home games like they don't have a great schedule either, Frank. Like this is they're as we've talked about, Vegas isn't paying for the first time, but I know they're highly aggressive and I'm very intrigued to see what they do. I wonder, do they wait to see what the Jack Eichel news is? Well, that's part of it. I mean, their injury list is bonkers. Like, <laughs> absolutely bonkers. Crazy. Yeah. I thought LA had injuries. Then you go to Vegas. Jack, and here's the list. Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Robin Leonard, Riley Smith, Alec Martinez, Braden McNabb, Nick Haig, and Ben Hutton has COVID. Like that's, that's three of your it's, top six it's forwards. 40, it's $50 million if Eichel's out. Yeah. But think about it, Frank. That's, that's four of your top six forwards. Your starting goaltender, two of your top four defensemen, like, how can you expect to win? That's that's where they're at, though. They're probably saying, how could we expect to improve this team? All we need to do is get healthy. Yeah, I, I, would Vegas sell off a piece? I, I was wondering that, but I always think of their, I think of Bill Foley and I think of being there on the night their logo was revealed. And he said, the golden night always advances, never retreats. Mm. And in capital letters on the wall in their office, never retreat. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't see it, but I think if anything, they do nothing before selling off. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, a tough loss to Detroit last night. That's a devastating one for them. Um, they've got interesting, Frank, because, you know, you look at their position and, you know, they're, they're tracing, chasing Vegas and Dallas. Um, they do have one game in hand on Vegas, but Dallas has games in hand on them. And uh, they're, they're, they're ahead of them in, in points, I think now by three, right? Plus they have uh, two, three games in hand. Would, would you sell if you're Vancouver here in the next 72 hours? I would. Yes. Do you think they I just think the math is overwhelming. I know that they've done a great job of getting back in the race. And again, full marks to them. The fact that they are even in this conversation after where they were in late November, I have nothing but respect for the Canucks and their players and the job Bruce Boudreaux has done. Um, I think ultimately the Brock Besser trade, if it happens, waits until the summer. Um, there's an outside chance it it develops before Monday. I think they're trying to move some of their other contracts that they find to be less palatable, but good luck. I mean, I think they're trying to move Hamannick and his deal. I think they're trying to move. um, My guess would be Tucker Pullman, maybe depending on his injury. I would guess Jason Dickinson would be another guy depending on his injury. And then that brings us to Tyler Mott. I've seen their reply or response is that they need something meaningful in order to move him. I saw one report saying must be a top 40 pick. 
I don't see anyone being willing to pay a top 40 pick for Tyler Mott. That's just me. Well, that's a polite way of saying first round pick, Frank, because no one in the in the first eight picks of the second round is trading for Tyler Mott. Exactly. And I don't, do you see that happening? Do you see Tyler Mott getting essentially a first round pick? I'll always say this. Paul Gostad got a first rounder. Anything can happen. (laughs) Well, at least you could make the argument that Paul Gostad was a top six forward. No, I don't think he was. I think it was, I think it was at that time of the trade. He was a, that's when Nashville, I still remember that one. I was like, Paul Gostad got a first, right? Um, Now Barkley Goudreau got a first too, but he had term and he was a younger player. So um, anything could happen. I guess it all it takes is one team, as you said at the top, Frank, right? All it takes is one, but I, I would be surprised. I would be. Surprised. So then, so, okay. So they haven't had or made any meaningful progress on talks with Tyler Mott. Are they in a position where they can afford to go through the deadline and let him walk for nothing when you know that the odds are you have a one in five shot to get in? Fair so point. So he's getting a third for Tyler Mott. Is that criminal? Like, I don't think so. If you're not no. re-signing him, like, take the pick. Yes, I agree. If, if you know That's he's not coming I'm at, down. But I, yeah. I mean, clearly the Vancouver market doesn't feel the same way. Now, the Anaheim Ducks, they already moved Josh Manson. I think they got a, a pretty decent return. Um, you know, I, I kind of like that trade for both sides. Uh, the, you got Ricard Raquel and Hampus Lindholm. Uh, we've talked about them a lot. Do you see anyone else in Anaheim who's moved? Nick Delorier potentially. Gosh. He's the next guy up, number yeah. 51 on our trade targets board. I don't, there's another player, Frank, when I look like Anaheim has like, they might be in retool mode, right? Or whatever term you want to say, but man, Nick Delorier, he's the perfect type of player that I would keep on your team. He's one of the toughest guys in the league. He makes everybody around him uh, a little bit bigger and he's not just a tough guy. He kills penalties. You know, he's, he's okay. a million dollar player. So re-sign like, him. Yes. Let him trade him and then re-sign him okay. in the summer. What do you yeah. need? To, what do you need him for? You're not making the playoffs. No, that's fair. Sure. If, if you, you think really you can love him, him that much, yeah. re-sign him because no one's going to be banging down the door to pay him big money. So you're going to have just as good a chance as anyone else. Well, then you know what? I think Nick Delore has some really good value to teams. I think people who maybe don't watch the West Coast Anaheim Ducks very often, Nick Delorier, man, like Frank, there's just not many guys with his no, skill set. Well, he's a, the last of a dying breed. Yeah, but he's a tough guy who can play, and he plays on their right. penalty kill for goodness sakes. Like yeah. that's he's I would I would he would be intriguing to me. Like I think a lot of teams, and if Nick Delorier is out there, I don't think they're caught. I think there'd be lots of teams that could use him just to bolster uh, their fourth line and really there. help in a role. Yeah. So um, I don't understand the Max Comtois thing at all. I really don't. Now, what happened there? Uh, he led their team in scoring last year. Yeah. I, I don't, I think trading him now would be a big mistake. Agreed. Ricard Raquel, though, what's he going to get and where's he going to go? That's the only thing I don't have any real insight on. I don't think the return is going to be as high as the Ducks are hoping. I don't think so either. Yeah. I think Ricard Raquel is a Monday deal, Frank, where, you know, uh, Pat Verbeek um, looked and searches the market and then realizes that maybe he's not going to get what he was hoping for and then settles for the best deal that's left. What is it? A second round pick? Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe like a a B prospect possibly with it. Maybe. Right. 
or a second. And I, I could see getting like a second and a fourth or a second and a fifth. We've seen guys get stuff like that. So don't talk about Tyler's man crush that way. Yeah. So, and, and you know what, Ricard Raquel could help you. I just think right now, b- because of how he's played the last you know year and a half, his trade value isn't as high as it would have been in the past. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the question is. Ricard Raquel is always the answer. <laughs> Love it. Uh, uh, San Jose Sharks. Uh, would you move Barabon off if you're the San Jose team who doesn't have a lot of money and, and he's been playing in your top six all year long? Yes. Okay. So, and I think he would have interest for teams. Yep. I think he definitely has interest for teams. A lot of teams have talked about him, but San Jose is in re-sign mode again. As soon as they finished off with, um, with Hurdle, they turned their attention right to Barabanov. Yeah. And I, I could see why they'd want to re-sign him, right? You talked about it earlier. They don't have a lot of depth forwards around uh, him. So the, the other guys in San Jose that, because um, guys like this get, get moved all the time, you know, they've got experience, uh, you know, they can play in your bottom six, they can fill in um, and, and neither one of them are have a big cap hit, I think. Uh, now Nieto does have one extra year, but Andrew Cogliano is a pending free agent. You know, I, I could see him being moved. But other than that, like, I'm not sure San Jose, like, um, is, is somebody going to take Jacob Magna as a depth defenseman, no. you know, bigger body. We talked about left D right. Jacob Middleton guy. is a guy that's been talked about. I, yeah, I wouldn't trade Middleton. If I was San Jose, the ask is insane. Yeah. Which as it should be. Should it? How well, good is he? Well, he's not that he's, but he's valuable to what they, we just talked about it, Frank. They got three defensemen making what? 26 mil. Jake Middleton is tough. He can defend for, for, and he's not going to be expensive. They're going to need some value contracts to ice a lineup in the future. I think trading him would be a bad mistake. Me personally. Okay. Um, but if you're right, if, if they can get, if someone's willing to pay that absorbent price, then maybe, but, but even then when, when you start trading away NHL players for futures and you don't have a, a lot of NHL players, then you stay at the, near the bottom. At least that's how I view it. So. And uh, lastly, Frank, Seattle. Uh, by the way, um, oh. both these two teams are actually tied together in, I wanted to mention and run through this, third-party brokers are going to be such a big part of the deadline and how it works. Yes. We've seen almost all the transactions that have been made this week have had retained salary. So the teams that are in the mix to retain salary are Seattle, are San Jose, um, Arizona, New Jersey, Columbus, Anaheim, Detroit, and Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Well, those are among the teams that are right there in Seattle. Of course, they're willing to get creative. They've got $34 million in cap space to burn. It's, you know, it's like vacation, use it or lose it. So if you don't use it, you know, you're not taking it with you next season. Yeah. Uh, San Jose's owner has always been, well, he just showed it with the hurdle one. He's not willing, he's not afraid to spend money. They don't have, they, they, they traded away their second and their fifth already. Now they did get Buffalo's fifth back, but I could see San Jose trying to recoup some picks. Obviously it wouldn't be a second. I wouldn't think in retain value, but you know, another depends how much you're retaining. Yeah. So, uh, Seattle Giordano is the obvious name for him. You have him right near the, the top of your board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Susie as well as somebody that's been talked about. He it's a little bit different cause he has term remaining, mm-hmm. but other guys in Seattle, like you know, Ron Francis at Everyone. the time, Frank, a lot of us questioned their strategy at the, uh, 
at the expansion draft. I didn't, and I think it's 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 proven. They have a they've already got two seconds and two fourths. They've got two seconds and two thirds and two fourths next season already. Like, does draft picks you can you can only have so many at the end of the day. Right. So I wonder, like, what do you think the strategy here is? And is Marcus Johansson, the other guy in Seattle that's likely to move? Uh, I think there's a bunch of guys that could move Donskoy, depending on his injury. Um, I think a lot of teams are interested in Jeremy Lausanne uh, pending RFA. You mentioned Susie. I, I don't I just don't think they're married to anyone. That's the that's what I've been told about Seattle is they like some of their guys, obviously re-signing Jared McCann. They like Yanni Gord, um, Marcus Johansson available, Mason Appleton available, Riley Shahan available, um, Colin Blackwell available. All, All of, you know, you could make a deal, make a move for any one of these guys that's out there. Okay. But like not outside of G they're looking for picks though. Like I don't think they're getting roster players back in return. I don't think they're making, I could be wrong unless there's something that pops up. I don't know that they're making hockey transactions now. Other than they might take guys back just to make the caps hit work, right? Cap hit work. And they also need to, uh, they're, they're willing to take on bad contracts in addition to, um, cap hits, but they want teams to pay dearly to take on a bad contract back. Yeah. as opposed to just retaining. And they also need bodies. Like they need warm bodies because they don't have a system that's fully formed out in the minors. They yeah. only have 10 other guys on their contract. Yes. So they need people to play out the string if they're trading people away. So look for them to do that at some point, if that's what they're doing. Frank, we'll end with this. That's been a biz. I might be the longest pod in uh, DFO history. Um, Quickly, uh, which which team makes the biggest splash in the next 72 hours? Hmm. Are we saying like aside from Giroux? Yeah, aside from Giroux. Yeah, because, we, you know, that's Florida and Colorado. I think it's St. Louis. Ooh, the St. Louis Blues. All right. Well, my surprise team is Nashville, but the team I think that's uh, that's going to make some moves are the Boston Bruins. Okay, yeah, I could see that for sure. I just I think the Bruins are like in on so many different things that I don't know that they even really know what they're doing yet. Yeah, that's my and guess. And you might be, you might. It's like, hey, you can be good at a lot of things, and never great at anything. So maybe you're in on a lot, you never get anything done. So, but, well, uh, like Chikrin is a great example. They could easily land Jacob Chikrin, but they could just end up with I don't know Calvin DeHaan. Yeah. I think Calvin DeHaan's quietly a good addition for a team. Yeah, I'd agree. And I guess we could maybe say if any team lands Marc-Andre Fleury, Frank, that could be the big acquisition because goaltenders we know can play such a huge role in it. Uh, I think he's going somewhere. He's going somewhere, I think. It's just a matter of where and when. Um, we are going to our usually our pod drops on Monday because it's trade deadline day. We're going to uh, have our pod drop next Tuesday for everybody. Thanks so much for uh, for listening to an extended version of the DFO rundown. Enjoy the uh, trade deadline. Be sure to tune in to dailyfaceoff.com uh, for wall to wall coverage on uh, Monday, leading right up to and past the NHL trade deadline. For Frank Saravalli, I'm Jason Greger. And, and for Tyler Ramchuk, have yourselves an awesome weekend. Enjoy the rumors. Enjoy the trades. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.